All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are going to be pondering the question and answering the question and looking at the data that says whether or not the Falcons chances of making it back to the Super Bowl are greater with a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan or with a rookie that they draft this offseason. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter, at Falcfans, and of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode, we are going to be looking at a listener question that was sent in several weeks ago that I was unable to get to on yesterday's Monday mailbag episode. And it's going to be a question centering on whether or not the Falcons chances of getting a ring with Matt Ryan are greater than with a quote unquote young buck rookie, uh, according to this listener. And it prompted me to take a deep dive and look at some data to come up with a methodology, uh, for trying to answer that question look in and we'll, you know, once I explain that methodology, we'll get into sort of what the data says. And then sort of at the end, we'll sort of get my final conclusion now that we have sort of sifted through the data. Uh, but before we get there, let's sort of jump into that listener's question specifically, because technically he asked two questions and we'll answer that first part of the question before we get to the quarterback quandary. So this comes from Rich J. And his first question is, how significant do you see needing to use the number four pick on a defensive lineman to help Grady Jarrett? And then the second question is, of course, how likely is Ryan's heir apparent to sit two plus years, much like Rogers did behind Favre, only because I like Ryan so much and want to see him get a Super Bowl ring before he's done and also probably get there faster than a young buck rookie. So again, Rich sent in this question on February 15th. Apologize to Rich for not getting to it until today, but you know, good question on that second question, Rich, because we're going to get an entire episode out of it. But to answer your first question right away, Rich, I don't think it's that significant as a need for that defensive line pick at number four. Yes, the Falcons do have a need at that position, but you got to remember that you're drafting players, not positions. And simply, I don't think there's a defensive lineman worth that high a pick this year. As far as interior defensive lineman goes, I haven't really watched this class, but some people don't even think there's a guy worthy of a first round pick in this entire draft class outside of maybe Alabama's Christian Barmore, who most people are mocking to go in the late later part of the first round. As for edge rushers, I haven't again studied this entire class. I've done more homework work on the edge rushers and the, the D tackles, but Quiddy pay from Michigan seems to be the consensus top guy among edge rushers. And when people ask me about Quiddy pay during the fall, this was similar to my opinion. And it seems like the consensus tends to agree that he's not worthy of a top 10 pick. And I spoke to this before on the podcast, but you know, I think drafting a pass rusher would certainly benefit the Falcons, but if you're going to draft the guy this year, it's probably not going to pay off until 2023. Um, since that's typically, you know, the better part of three years is how long it takes to develop pass rushers and for those guys to hit their stride in the NFL. So I think if you're trying to enhance the Falcons pass rush between now and 2023, you're better off doing so via free agency or trades. So getting into Rich's second question, it raises the point that I touched upon back in November when 
discussing the rebuild versus reload strategy centering on the Falcons decision to either replace Matt Ryan at the quarterback position or sticking with him. And I know Rich asked specifically about the sort of the timeline when it comes to how long Ryan's heir apparent will sit and we'll get to that later in today's episode. But you know, the core question I want to discuss is whether or not the Falcons chances of reaching a Super Bowl within the next five years are greater with a young quarterback versus an older one like Matt Ryan. So to answer this question, I came up with a methodology and basically I looked at the last five seasons mainly to see what the average adjusted net yards per attempt of quarterbacks that their teams made the conference championship round these past five seasons. Why only the last five years? Well, that's largely due to the offensive explosion that has only been really recent in the NFL over this last five years, the increased level of quarterback play during that time period. And it's just not as valuable or relevant to go back more than five years to compare sort of what quarterbacks are going to be like in the future. You know, going back 10 years ago, going back 15, 20 years ago is just not as relevant to the modern NFL. And also really prior to 2015, young quarterbacks rarely existed, impacted, right? It was basically, I think, Russell Wilson and Andy Dalton. You know, as in terms of young guys really impacting as rookie. Other than that, they were relatively rare. You know, you, you could go back to like Matt Ryan and, and Ben Roethlisberger. But again, prior to that, it was just relatively rare. And so we've seen, particularly over these last five years, a lot more young quarterbacks coming into the league and, and sort of hitting the ground running. So I think, again, that's much more relevant to this conversation. So looking back at the data, what was the median adjusted net yards per attempt or Anya of the conference championship quarterbacks over the last five years? That was 7.63. Now, when you looked at the teams as a whole, because you got to remember looking that data set only includes Ryan Tannehill, not Marcus Mariota. That includes Carson Wentz, not Nick Foles, as well as other backup quarterbacks. We can just look at the teams Anya as a whole. The median number was 7.58. I also wanted to double check and look at teams Anya's over the past five seasons and discovered that teams that had an Anya of 7.54 or higher made the playoffs 87% of the time, made the second round of the playoffs 76% of the time, and made the conference championship round 57% of the time and made the Super Bowl 33% of the time. So I figured at 7.5 was a better figure to use because it's a nice rounder number. There were eight quarterbacks last year that surpassed the 7.5 Anya or higher last year, which is the most going back to 2000, which I'm assuming is also the most ever. And from 2000 to 2004, there were only seven of those guys total, which speaks to my previous point about how passing has improved so much in recent years uh, compared to, uh, you know, a decade or two ago. Right. So you had eight this past year in 2020 and seven in total from 2000 to 2004. So I also wanted to see sort of what was the threshold of a playoff caliber quarterback. And if 57% of the teams that had an Anya of 7.5 or higher made the conference championship game, what would be the Anya of the teams where 57% of those teams made the playoffs? And that proved to be about 6.0. Uh, teams that collectively had an Anya of 6.0 or higher made the playoffs 57% of the time, made the second round of the playoffs 41% of the time, made the conference championship game 20% of the time, and, and went to the Super Bowl 11% of the time. Uh, and that number also, in terms of quarterbacks that had six Anya or higher, was the most ever with 24 quarterbacks making it this past year. So using those two benchmarks, I wanted to look at quarterbacks based off of their age and, you know, what were the odds that a quarterback between the ages of 22 and 26, which I use those numbers because that's the likely ages of the quarterbacks that we're going to draft this year, right? Trey Lance and Justin Fields are 21. Zach Wilson's 22. What are the odds that that quarterback at that age is going to be a quote unquote playoff caliber quarterback? 
how so looking at how many past quarterbacks at that same age had an Anya of 6.0 or higher and play at a Super Bowl caliber, which is looking at how many quarterbacks had a 7.5 or higher Anya. And the same applies to quarterbacks that are 36 to 40, which are going to be the ages that Matt Ryan is going to be if he remains the Falcons quarterback over the next five years. And so with that fully explained, I will get into my findings coming up on today's podcast, but we're going to be talking quite a bit about data and there's no better place to utilize data than to bet on various sports and bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL might be over, but the NBA college basketball, NHL, NASCAR, FCS, college football are all in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows and reality TV get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, go to betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So we're just wrapping up February, which is Black History Month, and the Lockdown Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and successes of black men and women in sports with a new series called Lockdown Presents More Than the Game. You can check me out on the latest episode with Chris Carter of Lockdown Steelers and John Hickman of Lockdown Texans discussing black history in sports, how black players and broadcasters have made history, how that history is preserved and shared, and how they will shape the future. Subscribe to the Lockdown Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. So before we get into my findings, I know the data isn't necessarily clean for particularly when looking at the older quarterbacks, because finding quarterbacks throughout history that have started past the age of 35 is fairly uncommon. You go back to the 90s and it was pretty much exclusively reserved for future Hall of Fame quarterbacks with a couple of Steve DeBerg and Dave Craig and, and Doug Flutie seasons sprinkled in. And it became a little bit more common this past century, thanks to the presences of players like Vinny Testaverde, Rich Gannon, Brett Favre, Brad Johnson, Jeff Garcia, Kurt Warner, Chris Chandler. But again, compared to more recent seasons, it still was fairly uncommon. And we know that there is a sort of selection pressure, selection bias, since a QB that is given the opportunity to play past a certain age is likely due to the fact that they are a very good quarterback. So in our case, you're probably not going to be a starter at age 36 or 37 unless you're playing at a playoff or Super Bowl caliber level. So we kind of know this going into the data that it's likely going to show that Matt Ryan is more capable based off of his age group of getting the Falcons to a Super Bowl than a young quarterback, just given the fact that young quarterbacks haven't played long enough to have that sort of selection pressure. Essentially, what I'm explaining is there is a talent bottleneck. It takes much greater skill to still be a starting quarterback at age 28 than it is at age 23, just like it's greater skill to be still a starter at age 33 than 28 or 38 than 33. So really... What we already kind of know the data is going to tell us is that an established veteran like Matt Ryan is more likely to have success given that 36 plus year old data set is basically only going to include Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers or at least top tier starters, while the 26 and below data set is much likelier to include bad quarterbacks. So really what we're really going to find out is how much better are the Falcons chances assuming Matt Ryan is comparable to his peers than a quote unquote typical young quarterback is going to be. So all that being explained, here's what the data says. And remember, this is only looking at 2016 and beyond. So 22 quarterbacks over the past five seasons have been starters from the ages of 36 through 40. And 
I'm sure you can probably guess several of those guys. Several of those are repeat customers, not 22 different guys. It's 22 different quote unquote quarterback seasons. So 80% of 82% of those seasons had those quarterbacks achieving an Anya of 6.0 or higher. So they were being playoff caliber quarterbacks. 36% of them achieved an Anya of 7.5 or higher. So Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks. Contrast that with the young guys. You had 62 quarterbacks over the past five seasons that were starters from ages 22 to 26. 53% of them were able to achieve playoff caliber performance and 16% of them were able to achieve Super Bowl caliber performance. So what's interesting to me about that is that 16% for the young quarterbacks is probably higher, considerably higher than I certainly thought going into it. And, you know, I went back to compare that to the previous five-year sample of 2011 to 2015 and only one out of those 63 quarterbacks that started from ages 22 to 26 were able to reach a Super Bowl caliber threshold. Shout out to Nick Foles in his first year in Chip Kelly's offense in 2013 and only 35% of those young quarterbacks were playoff caliber. So essentially what the data is telling us that it's far easier for young quarterbacks to impact the game today than it was yesterday. So the last five years has been better than the previous five years. And I'm sure that will continue in history. And the question I guess is going to be, will that number steadily increase over the next five years? Also, if you're curious for the older quarterbacks from 2011 to 2015, only 12 quarterback seasons were in the data set compared to the 22 over the past five years. And 33% of them were Super Bowl caliber, which again compares to only 36% of the past five years, which basically means off of this limited sample size, it hasn't been easier for older quarterbacks to play at a high level over the last five years than it was for the previous five years. It's just that there's more of them playing, not necessarily that they are more likely to play at a higher level. So, You know, I think a lot of that data is due to the fact that the last 15 years has been a veritable golden age of quarterback play. And it's going to be one of the things that's going to be interesting to watch is whether that continues into the future. But that's a conversation for another day. So in the end, I think the data is telling us that the Falcons are twice as likely to get, quote unquote, Super Bowl caliber play out of Matt Ryan at some point in the next five years than they would from someone that they drafted this year. Now, other fun data that I discovered in doing this research is of the 33 quarterbacks that were 22 to 26 to achieve playoff caliber play over the last five years, 26 of those guys were first round picks. 10 of them were number one overall picks. 16 of them were top five picks and 21 of them were top five, top 10 picks. Now, again, obviously there haven't been 10 number one overall picks over the last five years, but you get that, you know, number one picks have had 10 such seasons over the last, you know, five seasons. Right. And of the 10 young quarterbacks to reach Super Bowl caliber play over the last five years, eight of them were first round picks. Two of them were number one picks and six of them were top 10 picks. And those two, the number one picks were both done by Jared Goff. Right. And then it's basically Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, and I think Josh Allen uh, to be the top 10 picks. So. Given that there have been 16 top 10 quarterbacks taken since 2014 to include all the quarterbacks that qualify for this data, right? That would mean that roughly a top 10 pick like the Falcons have would have a 38% chance of a team that has a top 10 pick like the Falcons would have a 38% chance of drafting a quarterback that will produce a Super Bowl caliber year by the end of his age 26 season if they were to use the top 10 pick on that quarterback. So that is also some interesting data. So with that being said, let's get to my conclusions. What does all that mean? 
uh, now that I've thrown a bunch of numbers at you, how am I at least interpreting that data? You guys can interpret it in a different way, but I'll explain to you how I'm interpreting that. And we'll get into that coming up on today's podcast. But one of the conclusions that I have recently come to is that I am spending way too much for auto parts. I had to get some routine maintenance done on my car recently, had to get some brake parts and new tail lamps. And when I got the bill for that, it was much higher than I thought it should be. And so I decided, look, you know, I'm going to double check at rockauto.com. How much money could I have saved? And I could have saved a lot of money and it would have been easy for me to just go to rockauto.com, go to the website, navigate through their catalog, type in the parts I'm looking for using my make and model. And I could have found them whether I was looking for brake parts, tail lamps, engine parts, motor oil, floor mats. I could have gotten everything I needed in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to my door. And you know, the thing that I always say when I'm talking about Rock Auto is that those prices at Rock Auto are always reliably low and I proved it. And they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. And certainly I'm not a professional, but I need to start being more of a do-it-yourselfer if I want to save some serious cash the next time I need auto parts. So don't be like me. Go to rockauto.com right now ahead of time and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So before we get into whether or not the Falcons should take a quarterback in the top of this year's draft, I'm by no means an expert, but two people that certainly have much more expertise on this subject are Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak, the two hosts of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. And, and Tuesdays are a great day on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast because it's Team Takeover Tuesday, which is their off-season series where they look at a new team each week, take a deep dive into their potential front office, head coaching moves, roster reviews, free agent strategies, and their team-centric mock draft. And you can check that out every Tuesday over at the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. So the big question is, does this data deter me from wanting the Falcons to draft a young quarterback? And the answer is no. Young quarterbacks are inherently risky, and this data kind of confirms it. But it, it confirms that, you know, what you already kind of knew, which is that there's a relatively high reward if you do wind up hitting on a young quarterback. Whether If you land on a Patrick Mahomes, if you land on a Deshaun Watson, there is a potentially very high reward for that. You know, my big take, my biggest takeaway from this data is – that you can realistically expect that, you know, a young quarterback can come in here and, and provide playoff caliber play relatively early in his career. That the learning curve for young quarterbacks seems to be much less steep today and that those guys are much more capable of impacting earlier nowadays than they probably ever have been in NFL history. And while this data tells us that an older quarterback like where Matt Ryan is at his point in his career is probably a safer choice. I'm not sure it's that safe because when you look at Matt Ryan's career, he's only really had two seasons where he has performed at the quote unquote Super Bowl caliber threshold that we outlined before, where he has had an Anya of 7.5 or higher. And those were of course, 2016 and 2018. So you can look at, okay, his last five years and say two out of his last five years. So 40% of the time he produced a Super Bowl caliber season. Could he do that over the next five years? Sure. But that's basically the same as the 38% chance of what 
essentially the data is telling us a top 10 pick that has been drafted over the last five to six years would be capable of producing. The odds aren't significantly higher in that regard. If you look at Matt Ryan's last 10 years, the 10 years that he's been generally considered to be a good quarterback, only 20% of his seasons have been Super Bowl caliber. And that's, again, barely above the average for what the past five years have been for any young quarterback of 16%. So while the data is telling us the collective group of 36 plus year old quarterbacks is better than the collective group of guys under the age of 26, I don't know when we sort of isolate it specifically to Matt Ryan based off of his history, whether he's significantly better than your typical 26 year old quarterback or let's say his his, 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 his ceiling, let's say that like, I don't want to, you know, I think Matt Ryan is definitely more capable of, of getting to a playoff caliber level than the typical, you know, like I'm like, there's Matt Ryan's only had two seasons in his entire career where he's performed below a playoff caliber. And the last time he did that was 2013. So I think the odds of Matt Ryan getting playoff caliber performance versus a young quarterback is significantly higher. So I don't want to make it sound like they're the same, but I think one of the interesting things that I found looking at this data and going back to what we're talking about with the selection pressure is that when you look at the quarterbacks over the past 10 years that have played at least three plus seasons as a starter after the age of 35, there were seven of those guys total. And what's interesting is that if you compared their Anya from age 36 through 40 to their Anya's from their five previous seasons, so 31 through 35 for most of those guys, or in Peyton Manning's case, 30 through 34 because he was hurt for his age 35 season. But in five out of those seven cases, what's interesting is that those guys combined Anya's improved after the age of 35. So it is telling you that those guys, at least from a consistency standpoint, were getting more efficient play at age 36 plus than they were in their quote unquote primes in their early to mid thirties. Now the two guys that they did not have the case again, seven guys, five of them were better after the age of 35. The two exceptions were oddly enough, Tom Brady and Eli Manning, but notably that when you look at those other five guys, all of those guys are really, if you even include Eli in the, in the data set, six out of the seven guys with Brady being the one exception saw a decline in their play around age 35 through the 38 season, right? Peyton Manning had an MVP season at age 37 and then declined and was out of the league by age 40 and fell off a cliff at age 39. Drew Brees Continue to play at a high level past the age of 38 from at least Anya's concern, but it's notable that at age 38, the Saints offense morphed into a more balanced and run oriented unit given his age, which is essentially the Saints telling us that they were not as confident in Drew Brees sort of spearheading the offense like he had done earlier in his career. Philip Rivers last peak season was at age 37. Carson Palmer had an MVP caliber season at age 36. And then in part due to injuries had a dramatic fall off after that point was out of league by age 39. Eli Manning last good year was age 34. He declined thereafter. Matt Hasselbeck his last season as a full-time starter was age 36. Rogers just is coming off a MVP season at age 37, similar to Peyton Manning. But I'm not sure that you can expect him to continue to play at that level hereafter. Ben Roethlisberger missed most of his age 37 season with an injury. In this past year, we saw a decline in him at age 38. And it was the worst season he's had statistically, at least as far as Anya is concerned, in seven years. So again, Tom Brady's the one real exception when you look at these older quarterbacks that all of these guys started to lose something, whether it was 36, 37, or 38. 
And so my stance has been, and my stance will continue to be not that Matt Ryan isn't capable of being a very productive quarterback from here on. I think the data and his history tells us that you can expect Matt Ryan to be, give you above average quarterback play, certainly top 15, top 20 type of quarterback play at a, at a minimum with a ceiling to potentially be a top five or top 10 quarterback in the very near future, especially, but there does seem to be overwhelming evidence that as we've seen with the vast majority of these older quarterbacks, that Matt Ryan's probably going to lose something around the age of 37 to 38. And of course we know that Matt Ryan turns 36 in May. So that means 2022, 2023 is where you can sort of expect Matt Ryan to sort of have his last peak season. So for me, I have a lot of confidence in what Matt Ryan can provide for this team for the next two, maybe even three more years and give us good, solid high caliber quarterback play in that period of time. But if you're betting on him giving you plus value beyond that period of time, I think that's a bad bet. You're essentially betting on him being a Tom Brady level of exception. And I think most of us would agree that is inherently a bad bet when you're expecting a guy to basically perform at the same level as arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. It's just not a good bet to put that sort of expectations on your quarterback. And so, As I've said before, you have a scenario where you have a likely to be descending Matt Ryan over the next five years. Now, maybe Arthur Smith and Ryan himself can flatten that curve, so to speak, flatten that slope to a certain extent and make it so that we don't see a dramatic drop off until three or four or five years down the road. But we know that father father time is undefeated. And you potentially contrast that with a quote unquote ascending trajectory for a young quarterback. And my best guess is that those two paths are going to cross at a certain point. And that younger quarterback is going to give you more value than what Matt Ryan is going to give you at that point. And my best guess for when that's going to be is circa 2023. And so to me, if you have an opportunity as an organization to get ahead of that, why wouldn't you? And that's sort of the onus behind why I am of the opinion that the Falcons should be looking for Matt Ryan's heir apparent sooner rather than later. So getting back to Rich's original question, would Matt Ryan's heir apparent sit for two plus years? Now, I think if the Falcons take a quarterback at four, we know he's going to sit for at least one year, right? Whether he sits beyond that remains to be seen. I think that is mostly tied to how well Matt Ryan performs this upcoming season in 2021. If the Falcons make the postseason this year and they make a relatively deep run in the postseason, and I'm defining that by basically making it at least to the second round of the playoffs and losing on the final possession of that game. Right, It has to come down to the wire, and they have to basically be the team that loses probably to the team in the second round that eventually goes to the Super Bowl. And they've got to feel like, man, we got really close to beating the similar to the, what we saw with that Eagles game a couple of years ago in 2017. Right, Similar sort of circumstance where the eventual Super Bowl team, or at least the NFC champion, the Falcons go down to the final possession in that game. That, to me, at a minimum is what I'm talking about when we call, talk about a quote-unquote deep run in the postseason. Ideally, you can go beyond that. So we're talking about conference championship game. But that being said, if the Falcons make a deep run in the postseason this year, I think it's going to be tough for the Falcons to move on from Matt Ryan in 2022 because it's very easy in that scenario to convince yourself that you're only a couple of pieces away, right? But anything short of that, getting blown out in the second round of the playoffs, uh, getting blown out and or losing on, on a final possession in the first round of the playoffs or not making the playoffs at all. I think the Falcons are certainly going to explore their options of moving on from Matt Ryan next year. 
some of that is built around what the Falcons decide to do with Matt Ryan's contract this offseason. Do they do a max restructure? Do they not touch his contract at all? Do they do something in between, right? And I think many have speculated on this, and I'll add to that. You know, I think if the Falcons do a max restructure this offseason, it will make it harder for them to move on from Matt Ryan next year because of the dead money. But as I've pointed out on previous episodes, it's not impossible, given the nature of the salary cap, given the expectation from a lot of folks that the salary cap will rebound in 2022 to a normal level. And so therefore eating 30 plus or 40 million in dead money is not going to be as hard to do in 2022 as it is in 2021. But if the Falcons barely touch Matt Ryan's contract, it would also signal that they want to put themselves into a, the best possible position to potentially move on from Matt Ryan in 2022 as well, which would indeed be tipping their hand that they are leaning towards taking quarterback at the top of the draft. So the constraint that works differently today versus when it was when Aaron Rodgers was coming up is the fifth year option. Teams have to decide by a player's by the end of his third season, whether or not they're going to extend that fifth year option and sitting a first round quarterback today for three or more years, like the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers in the past, because of that is not really in the cards. They didn't have fifth year options when Rodgers was drafted. I would say though, I wouldn't point paint these things in a sort of black and white terms as maybe others would, but I do think sort of my definitive stance, my official stance is if the Falcons take a quarterback at four, it's likely that they will pass a torch from Matt Ryan to said quarterback in 2022. Dead money be damned, but it's by no means guaranteed. It's no by no means a slam dunk. Just like if the Falcons decide not to restructure Matt Ryan's contract, guarantees that they're taking a quarterback at four, you know. There is a lot more fluidity and flexibility in this equation than I think people will paint it as, as sort of they want to sort of definitively say they're going to do this or they're not going to do this based off of this move or that move or whatever the case may be. So I, I want to make that clear. Ultimately, the thing that was going to be the deciding factor for the Falcons is do they like the quarterback, right? Because I don't think it's simply, oh, just take a quarterback just to take a quarterback. As I've stressed before, it's about taking a quarterback that you feel is capable of reaching that Deshaun Watson, that Patrick Mahomes, that Josh Allen, that Lamar Jackson level of player. And if you think you're that player is available for the Falcons to pick in this draft, then you absolutely should pull the trigger on it. And I'm not going to get into this today, but I do find it odd that some people are of the opinion that Arthur Smith is going to work wonders with Matt Ryan for the final years of his career, but also not work wonders for a talented young quarterback like a Justin Fields or like a Trey Lance. It just doesn't seem to make that much sense in my opinion to think that highly of Arthur Smith, but only when it comes to uh, how it applies to Matt Ryan and not any other quarterback. So I, I think what's going to be interesting to watch this summer, should the Falcons draft a quarterback, I think it's going to be interesting to watch later this summer. Once that hype train gets rolling on what Arthur Smith and the potential of him doing with this young quarterback. And my stance is going to be like, where were you guys? <laughs> Why did it take you till June, July and August to, to start thinking about that when the rest of us were, this is what we've been talking about since January, February and March, since the Falcons hired Arthur Smith, we are intrigued. I'm not going to speak for everybody that wants the Falcons to take a quarterback, but I know for me, I'm certainly, if I'm, if, if you're to me, if you're a fan of Arthur Smith, you should be intrigued by the potential of what he could do with a talented young quarterback, whether you're ne that doesn't necessarily mean that you want the team to take a quarterback. You can feel like the Falcons should do something else. Take a, uh, another playmaker trade back, whatever the case may be. That's all up to you. But 
I don't understand how you can be like, oh, I'm excited to see what Arthur Smith's offense is going to do, but you're also not somewhat intrigued by the potential of, you know, having a Trey Lance or Justin Fields running that offense, right? Now, if the Falcons do wind up taking one of those two quarterbacks, which I, again, I've said many times, I think is likely, but again, not a slam dunk. You know, we will start seeing more people talking about that again come May and beyond than they are right now. But, you know, as I often say, pardon my arrogance to close out the show here, but I often feel like, you know, I'm constantly four to six months ahead of, uh, of a lot of people in this fan base when it comes to the things that they're talking about, which is, you know, why I, I constantly joke that, you know, I will say a thing and then people will be like, that's a hot take. And then you just wait, just wait a certain amount of time, whether it's, you know, three months, four months, six months, a year or whatever. Then all of a sudden other people will be saying that same thing as if like they just magically came up with it on their own. So that's kind of how I feel about it, where it's like, you know, if you're intrigued by Arthur Smith's offense, then it's to me, it's really hard not to be intrigued by what that offense could be with, with a player of Justin Fields and, and or Trey Lance's caliber. But, you know, I, I do know some of that is owed to a, a strong sense of loyalty that a lot of fans have for Matt Ryan. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think, you know, if your objective is not the right word, but if you're just sort of not sort of loyal to one quarterback and only one quarterback, there's got to be some part of you that's like deep down that you're like, yeah, you know, I kind of want to see, you know, what he can do with a, with a big armed mobile quarterback, like one of those other guys can do. Uh, but that's just my opinion. And uh, I appreciate rich for sending in this question two weeks uh, ago that, you know, got me thinking on, on this very subject. And if you guys have any questions that you think or any topics that you think would be worth a deeper look on Locked on Falcons, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at Locked on Falcons. You can send your questions via the other social media platform called Facebook. Again, that's Locked on Falcons. Or you can do like Rich did and send it to Locked on Falcons at mail.com. That's this podcast's email address. So, guys, appreciate you for tuning in for today's episode. Until then.